Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Broadcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada. On this gorgeous Wednesday, August 16th, 2023, coming right up, it is the book of John, chapter 13, verses 1 to 20. Why did Jesus Christ wash the feet of his disciples? You would think it would be the other way around, but Jesus Christ is teaching us two in-depth, major in-depth lessons in this 20 verses of John chapter 13. Don't you dare miss it. But first, please consider your part in the many-member body of Christ. You are invited to partner with the Companion Chapel. This is a registered nonprofit ministry to help me reach out to a hurting world with the message of Christ's love. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-member body of Christ. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word to a hurting world. And you can get a hold of me here at the Companion Chapel email. That's companionchapel at gmail.com. And now please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 13. And before we start John chapter 13, while you're turning there, I want to tell you what happened. I got this in the mailbox, gospel tent meetings. And I didn't show up when they first, they're only down the road about five miles. And I made excuses not to show up. And then finally went on Monday with Tammy. And wow, we really found out there's other people there that really care about the human family that really mourn for the human family those that are walking in darkness these people did not sugarcoat the word god's outstretched arms are always there as it's written in ezekiel chapter 13 don't cover them up don't soften up god's word god's not messing around god wants his children back but they can only be reconciled through the lord jesus christ and that's these people teaching the bible chapter by chapter verse by verse great preachers i'm so glad i went we found some other people to fellowship with because it's a lonely world once you get into the Word of God, you might find yourself alone sometimes, but you're not alone. There's other people out there. It's called remnant of truth. And I'm so glad I went. And then, and this is the lesson I had to learn here. And it was just by, is this by coincidence? I don't know that we're on John chapter 13 and Peter's vision of tolerance to others in Acts chapter 10. Now let's open the book and let it speak for itself because this applies to so many people but uh we're going to see two in-depth lessons here john 13 verse 1 now before the feast of the passover when jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the father having loved his own which were in the world he loved them unto the end now this two key words here our biblical usage means space of time that's a good glossary to understand it means space of time it doesn't mean 60 minutes and loved us he loves us all. God wants his children back. As I said, they can only be reconciled through the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to get to know him to love him. You can't romanticize who you think God is or the Lord Jesus Christ or romanticize how you think you can get back to a place of peace beyond your present comprehension. Remember the most daunting words in the Bible, Matthew chapter 7. Depart from me. You never took the time to get to know me. You had your own ideologies that you were conceiving inside you and nursing along and God doesn't need that. He doesn't need you. He wants you back. It's your free will choice. And God will not interfere with free will entities' choice to love him or not love him. It's up to you. Maybe hell's not a bad place for people that don't love God. That's up to you. You can go there, but you can't come to the heaven side. And maybe you don't care. But God doesn't. God loves you, but doesn't need you. Think about that. And as supper ended, oh, and supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now this supper ended. Let's go to the manuscripts. This makes no sense. This means supper is ready. 
So someone's ringing the dinner bell, okay? These guys are sitting around, supper's ready. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper and lay aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. Now he's about to wash feet here. Now, obviously, you would wash the feet before the meal, and that's why I'm saying when you go back into the manuscripts, supper's ready, he's going to wash feet here. And after he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, that's his students, to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded, then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? What are you doing? Oh, Jesus Christ, why are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash not, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but he's clean everywhere. You only need your feet washed. But you're not all clean. And he's speaking of Judah, because we'll get back to this, but we'll just say it now. Judah walked in the way of Cain. Remember the book of Jude, those that have gone the way of Cain, the way have gone, gone the way of Balaam, the way have gone the way of Korah, and Judas walked the way of Cain after his desires, his longings and wantings of the flesh. And he was walking it. That's the curse on Cain. You'll become a slave to it. You'll become a slave to your longings and wantings. They'll rule over you. And that's what happened with Judas. He just wanted the money and the stuff and things. Where is it now? Where is Judas now? Where is all that stuff that he bought, those two properties he bought by skimming off the top? You're not all clean. You're not walking it, Judas. And remember, Judas would have went out in pairs to teach the word of the Lord as God sent, or Jesus Christ sent them out. He's calling them disciples here, but it, he uses the word sent later as apostles. He knew better. But he couldn't get over the ways and things of the world. You're not all clean. You're not, you can talk at Judas, but you're not walking it. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. He knew this. So after he washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know you what I have done to you? He's asking them. Do you guys understand this? There's two major lessons I just taught you. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, well, that's good to say that, and recognize the natural order of things, that this is Emmanuel, God with us, the only begotten Son of God, for so I am. I am that I am. That goes back to uh, Exodus chapter 3, I believe. I am that I am. That's God's sacred name. Over and over in the book of John, I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. And as it's written uh, in the book of, in, uh, in the book of uh, Corinthians, all these things were for examples for us in the end times. All God's prophecies occur and develop in partial and preliminary happenings for examples for us in these end times so we can see it. We have the greatest advantage today to understand prophecy because we see by these examples and the examples playing out on a world stage today about other people's ideologies ruling over them. And they're not walking it in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not walking towards the light. They're not walking on His path. They're not walking His way. Back to a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. The Lord Jesus Christ walked towards the truth. 
And the truth is that great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. And it's your free will choice. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Understand the natural order of things to get back to the kingdom of heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ, back to Father Yahweh, to cohabitate in the circuits of time with our Father, the way He originally created us. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture might be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Exactly. This is all prophecy coming to pass. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ was sent for, to fulfill the blood ordinances, the prophecies, so that you don't have to drag a farm animal to church and have some priest slaughter it and say, okay, God, are we good now? No, it comes from the heart. The Lord Jesus Christ is the repentance now. We repent through him. That means we have a change of heart. We're born again. We don't think like that. That's not in our psyche or reactive attitude that motivates all actions. It's not in us anymore. This is quoted from Psalms 41.9, written 700 years before this. Now I tell you, before it come, that when it has come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomever I send, receiveth me. Saying, I'm going to send you out as apostles, okay? Receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. Okay, there's your key there. And why is Peter put on the spotlight here? This is very interesting. Two lessons here to walk clean. You can talk it, but you better walk it. And that was my problem when I was younger, when I was learning the Bible. I would make excuses, I would marginalize the Word of God. I would tweak God's word to suit my lifestyle. Instead of tweaking my lifestyle to suit God's word, I wasn't meek. And meek in the Hebrew is much different than meek in the English. Happier meek, the meek shall inherit the earth as we read. What's that mean? Meek in the English means submissive and easily imposed upon. Meek in the Hebrew means learning to say no to yourself, to afflict yourself with self-discipline in the face of all the vain ideologies that will come to you, all the vain curiosities that, as Paul says, I die daily if I follow these things. It means I'm subject to die daily and fall into the hell side. We're talking about walking it and talking it and not to look for or expect honor or prestige for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, let's pick this up. The narrative from Luke 22. At the same dinner, the 12 disciples were arguing who should be accounted the greatest. Who's going to be great? They're sitting there arguing. Arguing about who deserved the highest status for serving the Lord. We are to walk clean and serve the truth with no expectations, expectations of fame and honor amongst people. Grace means unmerited favor means to bend over. It means to stoop in kindness. That's the etymology of the word with compassion. This points to Acts chapter 10, Peter's vision of tolerance. Don't even think about mounting that high horse, Peter. Peter was there in that vision of tolerance and said, well, the Jews aren't supposed to talk to the Samaritans out here. And then he had that vision. He's not talking about Jews. He's talking about, I, I'm from the land of Judea and now we're in this part of the world just outside we're not you know it's it looked frowned upon if we talk to them Peter's vision of tolerance think think about that don't even think about mounting your high horse 
and think about today's churchy churches and Christians compete by criticizing and contending with each other instead of opening the book and letting it speak for itself through respectful discussion and debate will the truth prevail. What we're learning here is there has to be a balance between grace and knowledge. Peter got to hang around with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Can you imagine the things that he heard outside the Bible? Can you imagine being taught by the Master himself? The Lord Jesus Christ. So don't get up on your high horse if you have a biblical knowledge and start pointing fingers at each other. It's a time to have a balance between grace and knowledge, sympathy and sorrow for other people that are walking in darkness, to answer questions, to have a respectful discussion and open the book and let it speak for itself. What happens when this doesn't happen? Look to an extreme, Catholics versus Protestants. In Northern Ireland, they were literally killing each other because they had different ideologies. They thought that they were better than those other people and they thought they were serving the Lord somehow. That's beyond all reasonables. Jesus Christ took the position of a bondservant washing feet. Then took the lowest earthly position for us, the pinnacle of grace on the cross. No guile, no malice, no corruption was found in him. He was innocent, not guilty, and he had to do that. He had to take the lowest earthly position for us so none of us could say, when we meet our maker, the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't know what it was like, Jesus. It was so hard for me. You don't know what it was like having all those vain ideologies constantly coming at me, and I just had to give in sometimes. Well, you can't give in to sin. You have to understand. Jesus Christ is the way. No sin penetrated him. He was innocent, not guilty. No guile, no malice, no corruption was found in him. And that gave him the universal right to set up a kingdom of heaven that will not accommodate evil. It is universally recognized. It is valid. It is legit. That's the pinnacle of grace. He didn't have to do that for us. Christ lays out the template of how apostles and disciples, that's us, through Peter here, as an example, as it was written just a few verses ago, are to serve Christ and God's human family. No attitudes or what's of what's in it for me or self-pride that obstructs selflessness and sacrifice for others. Preachers and pastors today looking for prestige, status, and honor are not going to be allowed in the kingdom of heaven. What is that? That's self-pride. We read about them in 2 Corinthians 11. For such a false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. But watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing. They assume one's appearance. That what this word transforming means. Disguise, participate in proximity of your psyche. It's meta. That prefix meta in the Greek means to walk in your very psyche, your very thought patterns, to transform them, to participate with your thought patterns. It's brainwashing, meant to side, mind control, it's psychological warfare to reduce your ability to think critically or independently, to change your attitudes, values, and beliefs, to change your religious authority, to cause division, distrust, hatred, pointing fingers at each other is forbidden in the Bible. They've created a cult. This meta is a cult, and the only cult people never see is the one that they're in. You deprogram yourself. Get your exit counseling from the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we have the great warning 
Only a loving father would give us a huge warning about the enemy. No marvel for Satan himself. That's the adversary is transformed into an angel of light and people follow it. Be careful. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be disguised. Transform as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Be careful to have a balance of grace and knowledge. If God's given you wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, and strength, to have compassion on others. And always remember, we're not doormats. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Find that balance between grace and knowledge. I want to thank you very much for watching. Have yourself a great day and bye for now.